0: So the um, message this morning is seven times 70, and our Bible verses are Genesis 23 through 24, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Um, it was really interesting. after uh, last um, Sunday service, Vicki, actually, she said, in the next line. She said in the next slide, she knew, knew exactly where this was headed. I was like, okay, I think I'm on the right track. I think we're, we're moving on the right track. Um, so just, hold on a second here. So a little recap from last Sunday is uh, discipline and agreement. I apologize, I got kind of lost on this PDF sheet where I was. That was kind of scary. Um, and what we learned about was uh, Jesus addresses uh, sin between one another, and he definitely makes this, this space to where we're not soft on sin as a body of Christ, and we're all, Jesus isn't soft on sin and he gives us this place to be able to navigate how we um, govern one another. It's like a mandate for church governance and accountability. And then after that, the, the thing that we, we realize is like, okay, well, if, if somebody doesn't um, go through this process, what what is the carrot that Jesus was dangling out was um, agreement and prayer. And he says you don't really need too many people right, to have agreement with to move forward. And I, I felt that that pivot verse there that kind of changes everything, we realize, man, when we have God on our side and we have agreement in what God's doing, um, it really pivots here at Matthew eighteen, nineteen, and 20. It says this, it says, Again, I say to you, Jesus says, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have been gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. So, on the heels of this teaching that Jesus teaches, you know, governance, and he says, okay, well, if there's these struggles within um, relationships that we can navigate in a specific way, and he talks about agreement, um, Peter at some point comes back to Jesus, and he asks a question, and he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Now, um... In the spirit of Jesus, knowing the way that people were thinking, the, with the, the answer that Jesus responds with um, is, is pretty interesting. It actually, he's quoting a verse that's in Genesis. Um, but for me, when Peter asked this legitimate question, he's like, well, how many times can someone sin against me? And the first thing I thought about was when I roll into Hagerstown or I go to Frederick in the morning on I-70, and sometimes if I'm paying attention because I've had enough coffee, I'll see that Gary Lee is riding down with me either on his motorcycle or um, I'll see it you in the van. And there's several people that are kind of familiar faces. You agree with that, like on the road you see? There's a guy that, around the clear spring exit, state cop that blows by me like I'm sitting still. There's this guy occasionally I see in a black Civic that I get really frustrated with. He darts in and out of traffic, has no regard for anybody else, and I'm worried someone's going to get injured. And it's in that space that I'm like thinking about the old Mad Max movie and like how I could be like some sort of vigilante justice in this situation and need to teach this person a lesson. Um, Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth kind of thing that I've got going on in my mind. And I hope that I'm not the only person that has to deal with these faults Um, that kind of go traipsing through, through my mind at times. But like when peter asks this question it's it's like he he says he's, you know, it's like me it's like god will you release me like, like how many times can i have to go through the same thing can i just like be vengeful just once can i just can i just do something can you let the dog off the leash this dog wants to hunt you know i want to i want to go through this thing i want my own justice but jesus responds in a really peculiar way he says this jesus says um, In verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I'm not a math guy, so I'd have to poke out a calculator. She sure got it right off the bat. She said 490 times. That's a lot of times. And if you look at the context of 70 and the seven number, what Jesus is actually doing is he's drawing from the story that's in Genesis about um, Lamech. And I don't know if you're familiar with this. We're going to read the two verses but Lamech was this really horrible individual that apparently murdered some guy for some kind of an offense of maybe like smacking him or whatever. It didn't, Whatever he did, it did not warrant death. And he uses, he uses this as a way of like keeping his wives in line. And this is what he says. This is what this arrogant man has to say in Genesis 4, 23 and, 20, 23 and 24. It says, Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, Listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. And that's this arrogance of saying, I'm going to get away with, I've, I've gotten away with this. And... Jesus uses this in this space of saying like how much we want to forgive somebody like this. He's using this evil person, Lamach, that's like, I'm getting away with it. And Jesus is kind of, in a way, agreeing with the fact of forgiveness and the fact of like how many times are we going to go through this? Um, I would say that if Jesus is using the story, that Peter was was probably quoting it when he said seven times, because it actually says about if um what's it say here? He says that If he was avenged seven times, then if Cain was avenged sevenfold, then Lamax 77-fold. Okay, so Jesus is using this number, this 490 number, not as like, hey, look, let's keep track of it. He's actually using it as saying, like, there's no way on earth that I can keep track of 490 offenses. Like, that's never going to happen. And he's saying, like, that's not contingent, right? Like, the forgiveness is not contingent on behavior modification. You just need to forgive. It's actually kind of interesting that these verses follow the section that we talked about last Sunday, because a lot of time in the Jewish context, the most important things were, were mentioned late or later. It was mentioned in the, in, the, in the bottom section. So what I'm going to encourage is this forgiveness idea that Jesus is talking about supersedes really everything that we've learned so far. Um, It's very beneficial if you're going to, and I'm sure that you guys have dealt with this, you go to to handle a situation. If you've forgiven somebody before you go handle the situation, man, does that really help. But if I'm frustrated and angry, it's going to end badly. It's going to end really badly. So Jesus starts out with this parable, as he always does, and I just wonder if are like, oh, here's another story, right? Here's Dad with another story. It starts here in 23, and it says, For this reason... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to as a king who wished to settle accounts. Whoa, there's a stink bug, right? <laughs> I hope What I was saying didn't stink. <laughs> but okay, so let's start. It says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And I found some of uh, information, so I'm kind of inserted here. I hope you forgive me. I think it helps with the context. Because they would understand the context where they were um, at the time. So it says this, when he had begun to settle them, when this, this um, slave owner began to settle his debts, one who owed him 10,000 talents, which is over $3 billion in our currency. So that's what we're talking about. 10,000 talents, $3 billion, and about 200,000 um, years of labor. That's, that's what that's equivalent to. Okay, So he was brought to him. I guess he's in a lot of trouble. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. Well, we know that's not going to happen. And the lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii, which is about $5,800, and it's about four months' labor. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you but he was unwilling and went and threw him into prison until so he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw that, um, what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported their lord um, to their Lord and what had happened. And then summoning him, the Lord said to him this, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I have had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same thing to you if each of you do not forgive his brother from your heart. So in this in this story, the context that's really quite amazing is that a guy that could have never repaid back any debt if he wanted to was forgiven the debt. And then that wicked slave um, went to his brother that had he could have repaid him the debt and threw him into prison for that. And Jesus uses this, a parable to address the real problem, which is not the other person. It's ourselves. It's our own hearts, right? And we, we realize, you know, from this parable, is like, you know, that $3 billion, that's that's the debt of the cross, man. We we could never repay that. I tried. that's one of the first problems that I got myself into when I became a believer was I felt like I was trying to repay this debt that Jesus gave me. It's like, so I'm going to serve Jesus and try to repay this debt. It's like it was kind of a, maybe a, my heart was in a, a good position of saying that I want to repay a debt, but it wasn't, there's was no way that I was ever going to be able to repay that. My motive had to be solely that I was Jesus's and I was his son, right? And I'm I'm moving from this place because of his grace, not because I'm repaying anything. I can't repay that. I don't want to repay that. I want to serve him because I love him. So this um forgiveness idea is is one that it's not it's not relevant for, like, behavior modification. Like, you don't need to change for me to forgive you. You don't need to, to make something happen that's different for me to forgive. Forgiveness should be the first thing that happens. And we know that through the other verses that we looked at, like, last week, that we go after reconciliation, we go after behavior to be changed. Like, that's, that's important. But it's not contingent upon forgiveness, right? Right? Um, when I was writing this, I was thinking about some offenses that I had picked up from my wife, and I was going through all this stuff, and, and I, I knew that I was going to have to deal with this, and the Lord was like, well, I want you to deal with this on Sunday, right? I want you to give an example and deal with this on Sunday. And one of the things that, that happens with me is the Lord gives me object lessons all the time. I was in inner healing ministry, and I, and I always need things like to be tangible. like, like I need like Jesus' parables. I need object lessons because it just takes me a while to figure stuff out and one of the things i got when i was in a healing ministry that i thought was interesting was this idea of like i'm a detective or a special agent of my own life i'm like always looking for when somebody did something wrong so i can say okay well this person did this wrong to me and that person did that wrong and what i do is i collect evidence right and that evidence is a file folder of my mind and i pick up an offense and it goes into this folder and that's called unforgiveness. And it just remains there, right? And then what has to happen is, is the, the Holy Spirit deals with us. And he says, hey, look, you're carrying around this unforgiveness, all this evidence. Are you going to give that to me? Are you going to let me move so that you can be free? And so this morning, the, the thing that I wanted to do was to give Um, the holy spirit some room to move and for him to just highlight the evidence that we have and the other thing i want to point out is because there's been some horrible things that i've heard through inner healing ministry that had happened and i'm like my goodness i can't even imagine going through this in your life and you feel like do i have any right as a minister or, or someone that's trying to help somebody with inner healing to say anything like that's a really horrible deal like, I'm, I'm, it's though, like if you say that you forgave, that you're saying that what happened was okay. It's the biggest lie that has ever been told. When you forgive somebody, you're never saying that behavior is okay. You're just giving the evidence of what happened to Jesus so he can judge what had happened without you being in the picture of it. So what happens is we get to be free and clear from it, and Jesus gets to have the evidence. We're like, "Wow, okay, God has this. I've forgiven the person. I've forgiven the situation that I, that bondage that I was under. That I was you know, being vindictive or whatever that is." And it's it's in Jesus's court. It's in their court. So he handed over. So this morning, um, I just wanted to give the Holy Spirit some room to highlight the evidences and maybe the grievances and the, the places that we need to, to forgive. And allow the Holy Spirit to move and give us healing. And then afterwards, after, and there's a song I felt like I was supposed to, to play about five minutes. And, and then afterwards, just by an act of faith, we're just going to get a visual of laying that at Jesus' feet. Letting God be the judge of it. And seeing what God does with that. It's a real simplistic place for healing. Let me... Change it up here.